Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. Buyme.eu is a mobile app where you can order groceries and have them delivered to your door in as little as one hour. It's an Irish company, set up by serial entrepreneur Devin Hughes in 2015, but has seen exponential growth over the last 18 months. Today we're speaking to Devin to find out how Buy Me works, whether there's been any effect on his business from COVID-19, about his recent 2.2 million funding round and his deal with Little Ireland. Devin Hughes, welcome to Brand Growth Heroes. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Fiona. Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from a not-so-sunny Stillorgan in Dublin. Oh, Stillorgan. I was born and bred in Stillorgan. Oh, no way. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's where, that's where I go home to when I can actually travel, which obviously won't be for a while. But yeah, um, yeah are, you, are, are you Stillorgan uh, as well? I have been living here. No, I grew up in Mead and okay. then I lived in Lucan for a while. And I've been I've been in Stillorgan now for about six, six, seven years now. Okay, there you go. Yeah. There you go. It's great, 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 great little suburb. I'm a big fan of the suburbs. Great little suburb. So it's lovely to be speaking to an Irish founder. I've been speaking to lots of UK founders recently um, and only a few Irish. So it's great to have you on. Tell our listeners around the world. Now, we've got people from Australia. We've got people from the US. We've got a huge amount of listeners in the UK and in Ireland. So tell people even outside of Ireland, what is buyme.eu or IE if you're in Ireland? Why did you set it up and how is it working? Sure. So for the consumer at a high level, BuyMe is a free to download app uh, for both iOS and Android. And it allows users to order grocery and household items from large retail partners uh, like Tesco and Little today and have their items delivered store to door in as little as an hour by their very own personal shopper. Um, and that's more or less the, the framing of it, really. It's uh, it's. It's same day grocery delivery, large baskets um, in, in the time that you need it. And the reason we're talking to you is because you have been seeing exponential growth in the last 18 months, haven't you? So just to whet our listeners' appetites, it's not just another app or another startup business. Tell us about your growth before we get into the detail of why you started the company. Sure. So, I mean, it's interesting. We've been we've been in the market for four years. Um, I would say that we launched into the market a little bit early, um, but in late 2018, uh, the market took a shift um, and we were very well positioned and I feel like we caught a bit of a wave. Okay. Um, and when you know, when I look back at the last 18 months, um, it's been quite a, a transformational period for the business. So, you know, maybe to give it a little bit of context, we've seen our, our volumes grow from, you know, small four and five digit, uh, you know, thousand euros a month sales to, to over seven figures. A month sales. A month. Yeah. So quite, quite an intense, intense trajectory, <laughs> I would say, for the last 18 months. So over seven figures a month sales. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And in terms of your revenue model, who pays you? So we're primarily a, um, so the way, the way you would frame it is that we're a B2B to C business. Okay. Uh, the vast majority of our revenue is generated through uh, consumer orders. So orders placed on the platform by customers. Okay, so I have the Buy Me app on my phone. So what happens? Talk us through it before we talk about so those three. So when you download the app, um, the best way to think about it is like the digital high street. And um, you fill in your details and based on your location, you'll be presented with retailers that we've either partnered with or mapped in your local area. Um, and you'll then be able to choose a retailer to shop in. 
Um, at that point, once you've chosen your retailer, you're then presented with all of their categories and all of their product listings um, for that specific retailer. You fill a basket and you place the order. And at that point, it's then fed off into our magic engine where uh, the, the order is optimized and it's sent off to the most mathematically perfect shopper uh, to fulfill your order in, in your local community. Oh, it all sounds it all sounds very high tech. Tell me this. Would I not be just better off going to the Super Value website and doing it on Super Value? You could. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, for I've, I suppose, given you've quite an international audience um, to talk a little bit about kind of the grocery sector is that, you know, for the last 20 years, uh, online grocery has meant, you know, one, two or three day delivery. Um, and that's typically where the, the, the majority has sat for, for that period of time. You know, Me focuses on delivering same day. Um, okay. and, and, you know, prior, prior to the current um, crisis that we have with COVID, um, you know, 90% of our volume would be processed and fulfilled within the day. So the big difference here is it is within the day and sometimes even within the hour. Whereas mm-hmm. if I went to my uh, one particular retailer and went to their site, it would be whenever there was a slot available. Yeah, and it's typically next day delivery because their their models are are essentially what what are called vertically integrated hub and spoke models. So what that means is they will have they will take orders in overnight. They'll aggregate those orders in their distribution center. They'll send it out to their spokes, which is smaller distribution centers, mm-hmm. and fill their vans. And then those vans go on this pre-scheduled sure. route around the city. Um, and the the difference to us is actually what we do is when an order comes in, we've built this really powerful algorithm which we call Jarvis. Uh, which processes processes the characteristics of the order and then sends the order in real time to an to a personal shopper in the market at the moment, where they go straight to the store and and fulfill the order for you directly. So there's no kind of aggregation required. There's no stock management required. It's literally just facilitating this rapid transfer of cash and data between two stakeholders that are already in the market and and waiting to 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 do the do the work. So the mandatories for you though must be that you have personal shoppers in the market mm-hmm. at that time. How do you guarantee that? I mean, so we are a multi-sided platform, um, and that's the that's probably the best way to look at us. And so our role as the platform operator is to balance the network and balance supply and demand, um, and that kind of feeds into a little bit about you know my background is is that I spent the vast majority of my my career working in the energy markets, and that's all about network management, optimization, and balancing supply and demand, um, and so the exact same principles apply. Uh, in this in this infrastructure. You were talking about electricity and gas and all that kind of stuff coming into people's Correct. homes or businesses, that kind yeah. of energy markets. Exactly. Okay, so given that we're on the operations of this, so I'm, uh, let's keep with me being the shopper. I, I I make an order from one retailer or can I do two if I want? Today, it's just single retailer. Just single retailer. So you, you choose a retailer and from that point, you're then in, in that retailer's you know, branded okay. environment and you fill your basket from that retailer. We don't do joint retailer uh, orders and mainly because just from a practicality and logistical and safety point of view, um, it's very hard to manage chill chain if you're of going course. to two separate stores, you know, and a vast majority of our baskets contain chilled, frozen and fresh foods. And, okay. and so we want to make sure that, that we, we we respect chill chain as as uh, as, um, as a kind of a core feature of the, of the service. Good for you. So that 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 obviously makes sure that your quality is always high when it's when it's delivered. So right. I check out my basket. Who do I pay? So when you check when you check out, you just put, put your credit card or debit card details into the app, um, and and we we charge your card. And um, when the order is sent to a personal shopper, so we'll say Fiona, you've just placed your order, and I'm out in the network as a personal shopper. Jarvis, our algorithm. Um, I don't know if you're an Ironman fan uh, or a geek like us, but uh, Jarvis is essentially what we call our internal algorithm. Um, and Jarvis will send me the order, and I'll accept the order. When I accept the order, Jarvis also sends the the funds that you paid 
uh, to a prepaid debit card that I have okay. in my wallet. Okay. And when I go to store, I will pick, pack, and prepare your order. And um, let's say you've ordered fillet steak and they don't have any fillet steak. You're actually going to get a phone call from me. Uh, before checkout, it'll be, hi, Fiona, it's, it's Devin here from Buy Me. I'm so sorry to bother you, but unfortunately, they don't have any fillet steak in store. Could I get you anything instead? They do have lovely T-bone or sirloin. <laughs> and at that, po- at that point, as a consumer, you get to edit your basket in real time. Great. Um, and the reason why that's important is that you know there's no door shock. You know, when I deliver your order, you know what was already door in there. shock. Is that a door thing? shock? That's I it. love so it. When I when I first started this business, um, you know, I quit my job and I became our first grocery delivery person. Right. Um, and in the first, I would say, sixteen months, I did about one thousand eight hundred grocery delivery orders. Wow. And so I found all of the ways in which you can screw up a grocery order. Um, and and one of the biggest things was the door shock. It okay. was the shock when the customer opened their bag at door and realized. They didn't have that fillet steak for that special dinner that they were about to cook. Um, and so what we built into our process was that we constantly manage customer expectations throughout the entire customer journey. And um, whether that be a personal call from a shopper or little push notifications to let them know that their shoppers arrived in store or their shopper has finished picking or their shopper has left mm-hmm. the store and they're on, on their way to you. So it's constantly keeping the customer in 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 the loop and, and a part of the process. So that customer journey and the insights at each stage of the customer journey are absolutely key. And we'll get to that. Let's stick with the, um, the, the basket here. So I've paid, you've given it to the, the prepaid. They've called me up and said, can I get you some T-bone instead? Do they then walk to my house? Yeah, they don't walk. No, in most cases they'll they'll be driving. So um, I will go and I will pay for the items using my prepaid debit card. Yeah, um, and then Jarvis will route me to your home in the fastest possible way. So giving me the best possible route. So Jarvis does all the all the hard work. Yeah, uh, I just have to follow the process. You should have drones outside the supermarket waiting for your personal shoppers because then they can get back on the job. So it's the, a good good point. Yeah, uh, do you mean yeah. autonomous vehicles? Uh, no, I mean, in the air, they're doing it in UCD at the moment. I read it this week that UCD yes. is delivering Ben and Jerry's and uh, what is it? Camille Thai or some one of the Thai foods. Camille, Camille Thai. So, yes, uh, Mr. Bobby Healy of, Ma- uh, of Mana um, is doing some incredible stuff in in uh, air-based drone delivery. And um, the, the thing about grocery is, is that, you know, on average, an, an order will be about 15 kilos. Right. Um, and so you would need an an incredibly large drone. Okay. okay. Um, but right now, the battery technology and the unit economics actually don't make sense for single uh, grocery delivery um, in most instances. It's mainly around baskets. So you need expensive items. So Ben & Jerry's, for example, would be a, a, a you know a higher cost single item. Sure, sure. Uh, takeaways, for example, average basket would be around 20 euros. So that's a really good fit from a, from a unit economic model. But also the, the weight distribution the thrust and weight ratio for, for air-based drones just aren't quite feasible. Okay, so you haven't but, looked at it. <laughs> I, I, I have, yeah. But road-based autonomous vehicles, absolutely. Absolutely a play, but, but regulatory-wise are probably about you know seven to eight years away. The reason I say it is that if you break down where the revenue is generated and where the cost is generated from your side, right, is it the actual shopping that's the valuable bit? Or is it the delivery, you know, is the delivery because you're paying that shopper to do something. Should you be paying them to be on the road and delivering when you wouldn't necessarily actually have to pay that labor cost if it was if there was no labor involved? But you definitely need the labor cost where the person's involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think technology in the long run is going to continue to shape the the last mile in, in a number of different ways. What I would say is that people underestimate the level of infrastructure that's in place for that already. Um, I would say that right now what we're doing is we're actually putting in place the fundamental building blocks for that new layer of technology infrastructure that's okay. going to be required. Because you're know, right now, you know, buy me 
a lot of people think of us as a delivery company, but in fact, we're, we're a data science company. All, we don't own vans. We don't own warehouses. We don't hold stock. All we do every day is monitor cash flow and data flow across the market as a whole. Mm-hmm. And we optimize that data and connect stakeholders. And, um, you know, when it comes to building an autonomous uh, vehicle grocery delivery network and building that infrastructure out, you know, the first port of call is actually building up that data view of the market because you need the training data for the for the algorithms and for the AIs to really optimize. Um, and so right now, that's what, we're, that's what we're doing. We're building that infrastructure. And I know that all of that is really important, but is it not a hygiene factor when you consider that unless the consumer, the C part, the consumer who's going to receive the shopping, unless they trust you as a brand and unless the personal shoppers have engaged with you and you've properly re- recruited them and you trust them, you know, you're not going to be delivered that deliver that human experience that people want. So by pitching yourselves as only a data company, are we not missing out something that you're obviously doing very well? Well, it's a good question, but we're actually, we're, we're a platform operator. Yeah. And so we are responsible for managing all the stakeholders. And we have four core stakeholders. We have, mm-hmm. the, you know, the personal shoppers who are mm-hmm. the most important stakeholder. They're the producer of the service. You have the consumers who consume the service that's created. And then you have retailers and brands which benefit from the commercial uh, transaction that takes place. Um, but our role is to vet all of the stakeholders that are on the platform. Yeah. So there's no bad actors. And that's for all four stakeholders. Um, and so our part of our process is when we bring shoppers on board, they go through an onboarding process. They go through a screening process. We don't allow them into the network unless they've gone through that process. Okay. You know, they have to, they have to do, you know, health. They have to prove that they have health and safety knowledge, uh, food safety, food handling, um, and an understanding of how to use the app and how, how to provide the service. They have to have good communication skills. So we do all of that process. And likewise with customers, if customers behave on the platform in a way that's unacceptable, uh, we will also uh, step in and, and take and take necessary steps to protect uh, the other stakeholders and other other um, uh, participants on the platform. Um, so it's our job as the platform operator to be almost like the regulator of the Buy Me marketplace, um, and that's that's where the trust is created. It's a very it's a very logical, rational, um, and emotion free way of looking at it. And and I understand what you're saying, but I think being you know my background is brand and consumer, and I think that given your exponential growth, you're obviously doing the emotional side very well too, you know, and that might be because of the people you're employing. And maybe that's because of the methods in terms of, not that you employ them, but maybe that's because of Mm -hmm. the people you're engaging and the way in which you engage with them um, and the brand that you've created. So, you know, I'm I'm saying hats off uh, on the emotion side too, even though you might be downplaying it a little bit. But let's just talk about that because obviously the last 18 months, you've seen this amazing growth, right? Um, so you're obviously getting lots of things right and the timing in the market is right. And then along comes a crisis where health and quality and cleanliness and hygiene and food handling is really important. Talk to us about how you've managed that. Yeah, so I have to say the last you know six to eight weeks has been um, unforgettable um, and will probably be one of the most memorable periods I think I'll have in my career, not just with Buy Me, um, but in general. So... What's very interesting is that as a as a grocery business, um, you know, we tend to see behavior in the market before anyone else does. Okay. So, and what I mean by that is that the, the highest frequency data set you can have for the consumer market is grocery. There's nothing that anyone buys more frequently than they do grocery FMCG. And so you see behavior patterns in, in people's grocery habits before you see it anywhere else. Right. Um, and we saw the market begin to wake up to the threat of COVID a week before they closed 
the schools and they closed the offices. So what were you seeing? Just just increasing, increasing levels of demand um, outside our predicted models. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we're talking, you know, we're talking a week. So it was over, over the course of, th- you know, three to five days, we saw, we saw kind of a sharp in, in, increase, but the day they announced the closures of the public offices and schools, we did a week's worth of volume in one day. Right. Outside, like in terms of outside our model of, of predicted for, uh, uh demand uh, okay. for that period. So we knew very quickly that we were going to have to readjust everything in our business. Um, operationally, financially, commercially, everything had to be revisited because um, the world had changed in a, in a fraction of a moment. Um, and the first protocol was operations and safety. Um, so we had to understand, well, what is this threat and how, how, as a platform operator, do we take steps to protect the various stakeholders that we're engaged with? Um, you know, so the first one was uh, our shoppers. We, we sent out you know, direct comms to our shopper network, uh, gave them uh, links to all of the best practices that the HSC, uh, our health services executive had released, and indicated to them that if they were you know, symptomatic, that they could reach out to us, let us know, and that we would, you know, we'd be able to cancel their shifts for them uh, without any, any, any issues. Um, we then also reached out, we sent out messages to our customers, and we were actually one of the first food delivery platforms to instigate contactless delivery. Okay. Um, which is where we, first of all, told our, told our customers to manually put notes into their orders that if they'd like their order dropped at door, that they could put it just as a note in their, in their, sure. in their order. Um, but within a week, our team had actually uh, formalized and productized that feature and set it as a default into, okay. the, into the platform. So every order now is contactless by, by, by default. And that's uh, that. So these were the operational and safety pieces that we had to take, take action with immediately. Um, and then we also rolled out a subsidization uh, offering for our shoppers where we would cover up to 50% of any of the cost of, uh, of um, uh, PPE equipment that they had to purchase. Okay. Um, and so that's, again, part and parcel of how we kind of provide support to the, to, to the shopper network during this time. So talk to me about consumer attitudes and behaviours towards having someone else doing their shopping and dropping it on their door, someone who they don't necessarily know. I mean, that's fine in times where I feel safe in my environment and my wider context, you know, and I have a handle on, you know, the impact of things on my health. What happens in, in a situation like this? What kind of uh, weighing up do do consumers do in their head to make it okay to have someone else do their shopping at a time like this? And we spoke about this in a pre-call and you brought me through it and it made sense, but I just want to share it with the listeners. So I think right now it's about pure safety. Um, you know, we're we're in a position where the where the the market is locked global globally. The market is in lockdown across almost every country, and um, and right now it's about how do I reduce risk of me uh, contracting COVID. You know, the offices are closed, so that's that's fine. I can work from home, or uh, in most cases, okay. Um, I can go outside for exercise, okay. I can keep a, a safe distance from people. The last high risk area is the supermarkets where you're going into a condensed physical space, uh, social distancing, incredibly difficult. Um, and at that, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a higher risk. Now, what I would say is that for people who are healthy, people who are low risk, they should absolutely go out to stores and, and do their grocery shopping. Um, they should take the necessary precautions, wear PPE where possible. Um, but if you are high risk, if you have a compromised immune system, online is not just a preference, it is an absolute necessity. Um, and so I think that's where there's an interesting, you know, uh, shift, whereas primarily online was driven by con- a demand for convenience to save time. And that's where our growth has been stemming from over the last 18 months. Um, but the, last, the, the volume on, and, and demand that we've seen in the last eight weeks 
uh, has been about necessity, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely different type of value proposition. But I suppose what I'm thinking about is that if I order online from Tesco, I know that the Tesco person who picks it and delivers it to me is trained by Tesco. They're paid by Tesco. Whereas if I was to do it through an app, I wouldn't be sure who was picking it and who was delivering it to me. So how do people overcome that fear? Well, I think I think in the instance that, you know, we've been educated over the last five years about the types of models out there. You know, we we don't know the person who's coming to pick us up and bring us to the airport when we order right. through a, okay. a, a car. We don't know who the person is delivering our pizza. Yeah. And um, we don't know who handled it. I think we've actually been educating ourselves over the last years to be a far less sensitive to that. What is the biggest barrier for grocery online is representation and accountability. And the big when you know when we when we first started this to work on this business, I went out and surveyed four hundred people plus uh, in over the course of a weekend. And the biggest reasons that came out, the big barriers for people as to why they wouldn't shop online, was because they didn't trust that they would get the short, the long dated items. They felt they'd get the you know the the out of date milk and they'd get the shitty av- avocados. <laughs> Um, and so the way we build our, our platform is around accountability. And where does that accountability lie? And our shoppers are all rated. They all have a rating, shopper rating. That's provided after every order by their customers. And, um, you know, we built tipping into our app. A vast majority of our orders are tipped, which created this entirely new revenue model, revenue stream for, for people working in this, in this space. And so, you know, they know that the level of customer experience they give might dictate how big a tip they get. And so that accountability shift goes from, uh, from, you know, it goes basically to the consumer and the shopper. Whereas if you look at traditional online, like you just said, you know that that person works for Tesco's or that person works for Super Value or whatever supermarket. But if you have a bad experience, it's actually Tesco that takes that hit, not that individual sure. uh, contributor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in our instance, you actually take the person who is doing the shopping and you make them directly responsible for the service, but you also incentivize them and make sure that they are the ones that are directly rewarded for that effort. And so you get a far higher quality experience at the back end. It's amazing, isn't it? It's another great example of how an industry was ready to be disrupted by changing the responsibility and the accountability, as you say, and incredible that it was never looked at this way before. So you guys are quite unique, aren't you? You said there was only one other company in in the US who does this. There's the, uh, so I wouldn't say there's not only one. So there's a there's a handful of companies around the world, um, but the most successful and the most dominant one is based out in the US uh, okay. at the moment called Instacart. So you're in a great position for growth, and I think you've already had seen some growth in the UK. Have you organically without actually launching there? Um, so well, we've seen we've seen demand for our domain searches go up in the UK, um, right. but we haven't we we're not in the UK operationally today. Right. Um, but we have seen we've certainly seen a large seen a large increase in the people looking at Biomi's website based in the UK. Okay. Um, so obviously there's there's not a huge gap between Ireland and the UK. Um, no. and we're very similar markets, so I guess our our name has has uh, has has travelled over the, the wind. So let's talk about your recent fundraising then um, and your deal with Little and both of those pieces of news were, were in the Irish Times this week. So tell us about, about that. That's really exciting. Yeah, thanks. We're absolutely thrilled. So, um, you know, we've just raised uh, a round of funding um, and I suppose, you know, we've been working on that for six months. So it's not it's not something that all of a sudden was, oh, COVID happened and all of a sudden we raised, you know, 2.2 million euros. It was something that we've been actively planning for, um, you know, over the last six months. And that's just part. That was just part of our funding strategy for the business as sure. we as we continue to expand. Um, and as I said, the vast majority of our growth has not been in the last eight eight weeks. It's been in the last eighteen months. Sure. Um, and so that was that was kind of already part of our roadmap. Um, and then and then yeah, we've also uh, uh, announced the extension uh, of a partnership with with Little, which we 
launched with Little as our first flagship uh, enterprise retailer, retail partner back in uh, end of 2018. And um, we've just signed a, a multi-year extension of that partnership um, going forward. So, so what does that mean? Yeah, I'm thrilled. What do you offer them? What do they offer you in, in a partnership? So it's, it's, it's as much of a partnership as you can imagine. So we are a joint branded platform. Um, you know, so what we do is we provide all of the infrastructure and the processing and management of fulfillment uh, of Lidl's, uh, not just online channel, but same day online channel. Um, and, and, you know, we do a co-branded, a co-branded strategy with that. So you can go to their website, you'll find a section of their website that has buy me. Um, positioned on it and, and information in regards to Biomi's platform. and So this is really funny. So it makes me think, okay, so why would a retailer, I suppose like I, I'm answering my own question here, but Lidl basically didn't have um, a direct-to-consumer uh, delivery model before now. And now they right. do. You set one up and they're basically buying, they're going into partnership with you and you're providing that service for them. Yeah. And you're also yeah. providing that service for lots of other retailers. So why right. would any retailer do it themselves when someone like you can do it for them? It's a great question. Um, I think the reason they've done it themselves is that, you know, what happened was 20 plus years ago, um, uh, a business in the US called Webvan emerged. And this was right in the dot-com um, boom. And it was the first real play uh, for online grocery as a, as a big online tech play. And um, ultimately, the business uh, raised a huge amount of venture capital. It grew immensely fast. It went public and then it went bust. Um, you know, it just was far too early and the technology wasn't in place. But what the UK retailers did was they took that model, which ultimately was a terrific cash burning machine um, and rolled it out into the UK um, 20 years ago. And they've been running with that model ever since because online has been a growth channel. Sure. Um, and it's, it's something that they feel they have to be in. They have to be doing that. Is there margin um, in it for them? Uh, well, the, so when I and this kind of comes back to why I started this business. You know, the thing that got me excited about this space was in 2014, um, when I was working in the energy markets, I got I was having a pint with a friend. And over that pint, he told me that the online grocery market in Ireland and the UK alone was worth nine billion pounds. And it was losing 300 million pounds a year. Right. So, that, so that's the aggr- that was the aggregate loss of all of the retailers combined in online grocery. And for me, I thought that's incredible. What an enormous market. And it's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that was part and parcel of it. But then when I actually did some research and I looked at the long-term demand curve for online grocery, I saw that the, the demand was going to go from uh, 9 billion to 10 to 20 billion in, in just 10 years. And so, you know, any free market economist will tell you that if you have a rapidly expanding market um, with heavily compounding losses and a very tight window of time, the free markets just will not tolerate that level of inefficiency mm-hmm. and they will seek a better mousetrap. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought this was going to be one of the coolest places to be for a decade uh, or two. Um, and I decided that it was it was going to be disrupted one way or another. And I just wanted to be in the mix when it happened. Well, look, it's really interesting because one of the first people I ever interviewed for this podcast was my favourite professor from my MSc in marketing days uh, about 20, 22 years ago now. And he is an absolute expert in the discounter retailers disrupting the retail market. And one of the, the only drawbacks, of course, is that none of the discounters really have a, a an online delivery model. And potentially now they do. So they do now. <laughs> where are they going to go with when they've got uh, you as a weapon? Uh, it's really interesting to see. It really is. This so is, this is the this is the interesting part about that. And, and, and you've hit a really interesting point. So when we built the platform, we built it to sit across the three fastest growth channels in the market which is number one online, number two discount, number three convenience. So they are the only growth channels in FMCG at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, it's when you think about it, we're, 
we're not just a tool for discount. We are a shared infrastructure open to any retailer. And so it's, it's, it's a sense of they can actually all benefit from each other because there's a far bigger risk than the discounters. Because when it comes to online, it's the big Amazon that is the, is the, is the more existential threat for every retailer. And yeah. so what we're starting to see, I think, is, is more of, a, more of a, an industry movement um, around the world, particularly in the US, where retailers are starting to realize that actually perhaps them co-opting and sharing infrastructures is one way to compete in a, in a brave new world. Well, there you go. And, and, and what a great position you're in to be to be able to help them do that in the future. Um, I had one more question. I found it really interesting that when I was looking at your website, nowhere did I find this is how much it'll cost you. And it was interesting for two reasons. It was interesting because actually I didn't even ask myself that until we're now, what, 35 minutes into this interview. And, I, and that wasn't the first question that came to me. But that's maybe because this is more like a business interview than, than a consumer interview. But how much does it cost me if I put through my weekly shop and it's 80 quid? How much am I going to pay on top of that? So it depends as the, as the answer. It depends on, on, depends on the retailer that you're shopping with. So, you know, we will have different cost structures based on different retailers because different retailers can afford to be more competitive on our platform than others. Um, and so we, we generate revenue from the consumer through delivery fees, platform fee, membership fees. Uh, we generate revenue from our retail partners as a commission on the basket. And we also generate revenue from advertising with our large retail, our uh-huh. large uh, FMCG brands. And so some retailers will be more competitive on our platform than others. They were the ones that set the price for customers. Um, and so that's, that's essentially the way to look at it. So depending on where you're shopping, you'll, you'll pay a different price. So today you'll pay $4.99 for uh, delivery. And you'll pay, let's say, somewhere between 13.75% and 14.75% commission for um, the basket. But if you join us as a member, we've just launched Buy Me Plus. It's uh, $11.99 a month or €99 Euro a year. You get free delivery over, over 40 euros. So you don't pay the delivery fee. It's just the platform fee. Fabulous. Um, and so there, yeah, so it's a different, it's, there's different value propositions for depending on how you want to use the platform. Um, the bigger the basket, the better value it is. Now, if I'm a retailer and I want to attract a particular group of shoppers, can I give them a promotion through your app and say, I will pay your delivery fee um, if you pick me over super value? You know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, so we wouldn't allow retailers to target other retailer customers unless that customer has shopped with that retailer before. So it's 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 quite important. Market share rather than. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite important that we 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 respect that the communication that goes out from us is more broad to the market. Um, But if they wanted to create an offering on the platform in their section of the platform, that would be no problem at all. They could absolutely do that. Um, and and that'd be something that we would encourage because you know our role is is not to dictate uh, how how they compete. It's to facilitate a level playing field so that everyone has the same opportunity to compete. Devon, you're a great man, a fabulous talker, very articulate. Uh, you've you built much. a super business. I mean, I read today that you're in four hundred and fifty five thousand households in Ireland. Yes. So the platform has uh, well, yeah, it's it has four hundred eighty thousand households have access to the platform. It's amazing. That must be nearly how many households are there in Ireland? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But that's the Greater Dublin area. That's so um, right. it would be. It would probably be a, a good chunk of it. So 30%. can you imagine this business in the UK, France, or Germany? What's the next move for you guys? Um, so I think you know expansion has always been on the horizon for us. Um, our you know I, I make no I make no I'm not shameful in saying it. Like our goal is to be the number one shared grocery infrastructure in Europe. Right. Um, and, you know, so with that expansion has always been a part of the, a part of the plan, I would say that given the current 
landscape of the market, uh, we've certainly accelerated those plans um, and we'll be, you know, we'll be looking to make some announcements in the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of exciting markets out there. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, the obvious one is the UK. It's the largest biggest, it's the largest e-com market in, in Europe. You also have the Netherlands, you have Italy, uh, where we have a little bit of competition and then you have the likes of Spain and France. Um, so there's some interesting spaces um, and we, we uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll certainly be a competitor in, in, uh, in many of them. Well, we look forward to watching your progress with lots of interest. Will you come back in a year's time and let us know how you've got on? Absolutely. I'd be, I'd be delighted to. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Fiona. I really appreciate you having me on.